Welcome to The Gailey Show, where we celebrate LGBTQ culture and entertainment, both in Minnesota and beyond. I am your host, JP Darbogosian. This week is part two of our series on the Band Book Club. If you haven't heard part one of our series, it aired last week. You can find it on AM950's website or anywhere you stream your podcast. Just search for The Gailey Show. Briefly, the Band Book Club is an initiative that the Digital Public Library of America is uh, launching and running, and it literally unbans books in real time. So if a book is banned at your school or your library, the app automatically gives you access to that book as an ebook. They also provide a map of uh, the United States so you can see what has been banned and by whom. For part two of our series, I met with the executive director of the Digital Public Library of America, John Bracken, to discuss the banned book club and talk more about book bans in the U.S. Well, John Bracken of the Digital Public Library of America, welcome to The Gailey Show. Thank you, JP. It's so nice to be here with you. Absolutely. So last week we were talking to our listeners about the Band Book Club, and I want to start with actually getting your take as the leader of the Digital Public Library of America, your take on book bans. What's going on with them? Why do you think they're they're expanding the way that they're expanding right now? Like, tell us, give us your wisdom on this topic. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, first of all, you know, at the Digital Public Library of America, we were created because we think in a digital age, we should have more access to knowledge and information, not less, right? And, you know, I, I guess to answer your question about this moment in time, we know that throughout history, there have always been movements, efforts to limit access to knowledge and information. It's taken different forms. It's come from lots of different communities. It comes from different ideological formations, right? Um, and so for us, we just go back to what's our North Star? What do we value? We want to increase the access to knowledge and information. We know that that's a core basis of what it means to be human, to be able to exchange ideas, dive into ideas. In this historical moment, as we thought through what our role and responsibility was as a Digital Public Library of America, and I think there are various factors around the current uh, crisis of book banning. Mm -hmm. I, I think at DPLA, part of our analysis is it's clearly a, not all of it, but a big part of the motivation and, and drive among the book bands is an attempt to squash and limit queer and black and brown voices and narratives in particular. And at a moment in time when we've been making, you know, through the efforts from the streets to the classrooms to boardrooms, real efforts in in recasting what the American narrative is, whose voices are, are have been missing from that narrative throughout time, mm -hmm. that it's not a coincidence that this level of pushback has been has been happening, you know, especially around black and queer, black, brown, and queer voices and authors and and narratives. It's not the hundred percent of what we've seen in the book bands, but that's a key, a core part of the of the motivation. And so we've been really trying to. That's that's been our motivating factor as we've tried to address that. Something that I have seen. So we've seen the, the book bans happening like literally in every almost every state. Well, I mean, your map that you have on your and we'll, we'll talk about this on your website, like yeah. across the country. But then also there's this phenomenon of it's a small group of people <laughs> that seem to be organizing yeah. this. What is your take on that? Where it's like it seems to be everywhere, but also this small group that seems to be affecting all of this harm in our libraries. Yeah, no, that I think that's a really good point. 
I also think, frankly, feel like that's a lesson for the rest of us that, you know, small groups of people can affect change and have impact. And part of the reason that we're in the crisis we're in is that folks who felt like their voices weren't being heard or adhered to leaned in and stepped up and, and ran for local school board and had structures that helped, you know, kind of organize them and, and, and help them get the public policy outputs that they wanted. I think one of the encouraging things over the last year is we've seen librarians and teachers and the majority of parents and others step forward and lean forward in, in new ways. So we've seen things like the American Library Association begin to encourage and create training sessions for folks who want to join library boards, for instance, and school wow. boards. Right. And so, I mean, it's, you know, we live in, you know, we are lucky enough to live in a, system where civic participation has can have impact right and so mm -hmm. I, I think for a lot of us in the library field you know we're often comfortable talking to ourselves and to our core friends and this has been an extra boost to to engage in in these what can be very different difficult civic you know civil debates and 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 conversations and we're needed i mean that's part of the motivation for this is libraries and librarians are core assets to this figuring out what 21st century American democracy struggle that we're all going through. So I love that there are those trainings happening and we will link to those uh, to our folks on our website and in the show notes uh, because folks need to be seriously considering joining their library boards. What I love, however, about the band book club is the immediacy <laughs> of how quickly you can unban a book and make it accessible again in an ebook, yes. a digital format. So can you talk to us about the band book club? Where did the idea yeah. come from and using technology to fight these bands? Yeah. I mean, look, a core, like I said, DPLA is motivated by the notion that in a digital world, we should have more access to knowledge and information, not less, right? And there's a lot of, we've had a lot of conversations about the negative aspects of these mobile devices and digital, right? I mean, and I think we're more focused on some of the negative aspects today than we were, you know, five or 10 years ago. That said, our, our thesis is that these tools can be tools for good, right? And and part of the magic of a digital space and access to information is that we can make your attempt to ban a book from a shelf, make it much less relevant by you take a book off a shelf, we're going to make it available for free download for anyone in that space on their mobile device, period, full stop. And that's the, that was the motivation, right? How can we take advantage of the systems and tools that we've built? We've so at DPLA along with Lyricists, we've built a project called the Palace Project, which is designed to help libraries and library users access digital books and, and knowledge and information. And the insight was we can use that tool to make it almost irrelevant. The banning of books, you know, at least decrease the relevancy of it by mm -hmm. replacing that book that gets pulled off of a shelf with a digital copy that anyone can download whenever they want, wherever they are, in their own privacy, right? I love that. I love that. So walk us through how somebody would, because right now you have on your, on the website, there is this 
fantastic map. And for folks listening in Minnesota, there are a number of <laughs> schools uh, that have uh, books banned. Listen to last week's episode. We got into all of it. But talk, talk us through how somebody can uh, use, the, use the app and get access to the books that have yeah. been banned in their library. It's- Pretty simple. So go to your mobile, whether it's your, you know your iOS or your Android store. You look for the Palace app, the Palace Reader app. It's got a cute little uh, logo. It looks like a piece. Uh, download that, and once you enable um, geolocation, right? If you are pa- if you are at a school, if you're passing a school where a book has been banned or a library has been banned, you will get a notification saying. Um, you know, the bluest eye has been banned here. Do you want to download it and access that book yourself? And that's the simple, you know, so we've created a library of banned books that also that are available. We've also um, have the largest curated collection of books in the public domain. So books that are out of copyright in the world and including several of those books have been banned. So we make those available as well for free download. That I wasn't, I didn't know about that. So when I downloaded the app and I saw, oh my goodness, like, look at all these books. Yeah, yeah <laughs> It's exactly. fantastic. Now, does a user need to have a library card to that particular library? No, if you're in that, you, you register for a DPLA banned book club library card and you can access the books. Fantastic. What has been the response so far? The response has been great. You know, I mean, I think, um, you know, as, as you as you intuited, you know, the, there's, there, there are a couple of different levels, right? One, we really wanted to acknowledge the role libraries and librarians have played and really being at the front lines, of a lot of these debates, we were, when we crafted this program, you know, we work nationally, right? I live in Chicago on the North side where, you know, book banning Chicago public library and the mayor of Chicago have been great champions and the governor, you know, that's not the case across the country, right? And so when we crafted this, we worked really carefully. We consulted with partners across the country in states where book bannings were becoming regular parts of their work. And we wanted to create a system that recognized the role of libraries and librarians and frankly also protected them, right? We know it can be actually a dangerous time for librarians with this topic. Um, The other thing we really wanted to do was draw attention. So we we, you know, we recently launched a partnership with the University of Chicago, um, mm. the library at the University of Chicago, who feels so passionately about this. And we're trying to ground it in the history of book bannings and that there's, mm-hmm. you know, what can we learn, you know, throughout history, there have been waves of this and how do we help ground, ground that reality? Um, and then the third part that's really important to us is what are these voices that are trying to be being silenced and how what's our role and responsibility to uplift these voices, right? And again, being fully aware that the the onus of a lot of these bannings is queer voices and narratives and black and brown voices and narratives that are so important, not just for folks from directly, you know, who those experiences speak to, but for all of us, right? It's a core part of being part of a society to be able to access voices that aren't part of your core experience as well as ones that affirm your experience. And, and so that's what's been driving our, our participation in this. I'm curious. So you have a technology background uh, throughout your career. So what has it been like for you kind of tapping into those resources? Like what's this project been like for you on a personal level, given your background? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, you know, especially when I talk to various partners and colleagues inside and outside of the library space, on the first hand, you know, while we know that there have been historical moments when this has happened, this was not 
when I look at what led to the formation of the Digital Public Library of America, creating a mechanism to evade banning of books was not on our bingo card, right? This is, yeah. so to agree, yeah. I'm, it's sort of shocking and depressing, right, that, that we're in this moment of time, right? It, yeah. it is. Um, I guess on the other hand, right, for me, like it's also so enervating and I've, we've gotten more response from this project than anything else I can think of that we've done recently, right? And this speaks to, to folks. And if, you know, just knowing that if we can, one book can make a difference, again, to a child. I mean, I, I think about family members, right? And knowing how important it is to have voices and examples that they don't see every day um, available to them and experiences to them. It's, it, you know, to your point, it can save a life, right? To the title of the thing. And um, if we're able to help facilitate that access of knowledge information, that, that you know, if we can be part of that collaboration with teachers and librarians and, and other folks across the country, then, then that's worthwhile. Wonderful. Thank you. Can you share with us again, how do folks connect with you, the DPLA and yeah. to download the app? So for, you can go to dp.la and you'll see, you know, uh, get links to everything we're doing. Uh, the palace project is the name of the app. You throw that into your, into your uh, your app store and you'll find it and download it and you can access banned books and non-banned books. Perfect. Well, John Bracken, you have a standing invitation to join us here at The Gailey Show and on um, the Square Book Save My Life. So anytime there are updates, new things we need to know about banned books, please stop on by. We will love to have you here. Thank you, JP. Thank you for being up front and, and lead, helping to lead these types of conversations. It's incredibly important. For more information on the Book Band Book Club, head to this website, thebandbookclub.info. Download the Palace Project app in Apple's App Store or on Google Play if you have an Android device. And stay tuned to this space. We'll be having more about fighting book bands uh, throughout the year. All right, I want to highlight a couple things happening over at Max, HBO Max. The newest season of Sort Of dropped last week. This show from CBC in Canada is amazing. I cannot get enough of it. It was created by Bilal Baig and Fab Philippo. Bilal stars as Sabi, a non-binary millennial who is transitioning while navigating their Pakistani immigrant family, working as a bartender and being a caregiver for a family whose mother is the victim of an accident. My favorite character in this show is Seven. Seven is quite possibly one of the greatest characters created of any comedy series in the past decade. Seven is played by Amanda Cordner, who deserves all the awards. And debuting today, January 27th on HBO Max is Lil Nas X, Long Live Montero. I am also very excited about this film and getting to know more about Lil Nas X. I really loved his album Montero, and the film follows him on tour and gives us a look into Nas's life as he has to live up to his status as a black queer icon. You can check it out today. It drops on HBO Max. Okay, the Sundance Film Festival happened this month, and Sundance has a reputation for being kind of queer, and this year was no exception, I am very happy to see. There were 32 projects by filmmakers identifying within the LGBTQ plus rainbow. 
We're going to include links to the Sundance Film Festival's website in our show notes and on the AM950 website and at thesquarebook.com so you can see all the details of all 32 projects. Some of these will be available to watch in theaters throughout the year, uh, and some of them will be available online. Again, head to their website so we can get more details on that. Right now, however, here are a few that caught my eye. Desire Lines. It is directed by Jules Roskamp, and the description, past and present collide when an Iranian-American trans man time travels through an LGBTQ plus archive on a dizzying and erotic quest to unravel his own sexual desires. That is the film Desire Lines, directed by Jules Roskamp. Next, I saw the TV Glow. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm more excited about it. It is directed by Jane Schoenbrunn. It stars Justice Smith, who is amazing. I can't get enough of Justice. Uh, the synopsis. Teenager Owen is just trying to make it through life in the suburbs when his classmate introduces him to a mysterious late-night TV show, a vision of a supernatural world beneath their own. In the pale glow of the television, Owen's view of reality begins to crack. Finally, Pariah. Uh, the director is Dee Rees. This film looks to add to the amazing growing list of black queer representation in film. The description of it is that uh, when forced to choose between losing her best friend or destroying her family, a Brooklyn teenager juggles conflicting identities and endures heartbreak in a desperate search for sexual expression. Again, for those watching, here's the link to all Again, we'll have the link to all of these films and projects in our show notes or on am950radio.com or on thisqueerbook.com. Well, that is our show for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Our podcasts are executive produced by Jim Pounds, creative and accounting support provided by Gordy Erickson, production, distribution, and marketing support provided by Brett Johnson. Chad Larson, Laura Hedlund, Jennifer Ogren from AM950. You can find us on social media. For The Gailey Show, check out AM950's YouTube channel or The Gailey Show's YouTube channel and, of course, AM950's Facebook page. And until our next episode, see you queers and allies in the bookstores. Bye.